Thank you for listening. Visit www.cityhillglobal.com to find out more about City Hill Church. So we have been following this series. So uh, we are following the book of Nehemiah. So we are on chapter 9. Um, I would like to pick it up right from where Frank left us off last week. So instead of starting from chapter 9, we're going to start from the last three verses of chapter 8. I request Prim to, uh, yeah, to lead us. Nehemiah 8, verse 16 onwards, yeah. So the people went out and brought back branches and built themselves temporary shelters on their own roofs, in their courtyards, in the courts of the house of God, and in the square by the water gate, and the one by the gate of Ephraim. The whole company that had returned from exile built temporary shelters and lived in them from the days of Joshua, son of Nun, until that day. The Israelites had not celebrated it like this, and their joy was very great. Day after day, from the first day to the last, Ezra read from the book of the law of God. They celebrated the festival for seven days, and on the eighth day, in accordance with the regulation, there was an assembly. Nehemiah chapter 9, on the 24th day of the same month, the Israelites gathered together, fasting and wearing sackcloth and putting dust on their heads. Those of Israelite descent had separated themselves from all foreigners. They stood in their places and confessed their sins and the sins of their ancestors. They stood where they were and read from the book of the law of the Lord their God for a quarter of day and spent another quarter in confession and in worshipping the Lord their God. Standing on the stairs of the Levites were Jeshua, Bani, Kadmil, Shabaniah, Bani, Sherebiah, Bani, and Kenani. They cried out with loud voices to the Lord their God. And the Levites, Jeshua, Kadmil, Bani, Heshbaniah, Sherebiah, Hodiah, Shabaniah, and Pathiah said, Stand up and praise the Lord your God, who is from everlasting to everlasting. Blessed be your glorious name, and may it be exalted above all blessing and praise. You alone are the <clears throat> Lord. You made the heavens, even the highest heavens, and all their starry host, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them. You give life to everything, and the multitudes of heaven worship you. You are the Lord God. You chose Abram and brought him out of Ur of the Chaldeans and named him Abraham. You found his heart faithful to you, and you made a covenant with him to give to his descendants the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Jebusites, and Girgashites. You have kept your promise because you are righteous. You saw the suffering of our ancestors in Egypt. You heard their cry at the Red Sea. You sent signs and wonders against Pharaoh, against all of his officials and all the people of his land. For you knew how arrogantly the Egyptians treated them. You made a name for yourself, which remains to this day. You divided the sea before them so that they passed through it on dry ground. But you hurled their pursuers into the depths like a stone into mighty waters. By day, you led them with a pillar of cloud and by night with a pillar of fire to give them light on their way. They were to take. You came down on Mount Sinai. You spoke to them from heaven. You gave them regulations and laws that are just and right and decrees and commands that are good. You made known to them your holy Sabbath and gave them commands, decrees, and laws through your servant Moses. 
In their hunger, you gave them bread from heaven, and in their thirst, you brought them water from the rock. You told them to go in and take possession of the land you had sworn with uplifted hand to give them. But they, our ancestors, became arrogant and stiff-necked, and they did not obey your commands. They refused to listen and failed to remember the miracles you performed among them. They became stiff-necked and in their rebellion appointed a leader in order to return to their slavery. But you are a forgiving God, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. Therefore, you did not abandon them, even when they cast for themselves an image of a calf and said, This is your God who brought you up out of Egypt, or when they committed awful blasphemies. Because of your great compassion, you did not abandon them in, their, in the wilderness. By day, the pillar of cloud did not fail to guide them on their path, nor the pillar of fire by night to shine on the way they were to take. You gave your good spirit to instruct them. You did not withhold your manna from their mouths, and you gave them water for their thirst. For 40 years, you sustained them in the wilderness. They lacked nothing. Their clothes did not wear out, nor did their feet become swollen. You gave them kingdoms and nations, allotting to them even the remotest frontiers. They took over the country of Sihon, king of Heshbon, and the, king, and the country of Og, king of Bashan. You made their children as numerous as the stars in the sky, and you brought them into the land that you told their parents to enter and possess. Their children went in and took possession of the land. You subdued before them the Canaanites who lived in the land. You gave the Canaanites into their hands, along with their kings and the peoples of the land, to deal with them as they pleased. They captured fortified cities and fertile land. They took possession of houses filled with all kinds of good things, wells already dug, vineyards, olive groves, and fruit trees in abundance. They ate to the full and were well nourished. They reveled in your great goodness. But they were disobedient and rebelled against you. They turned their backs on your law. They killed your prophets, who had warned them in order to turn back to you. They committed awful blasphemies. So you delivered them into the hands of their enemies who oppressed them. But when they were oppressed, they cried out to you. From heaven you heard them, and in your great compassion you gave them deliverers who rescued them from the hand of their enemies. But as soon as they were at rest, they again did what was evil in your sight. Then you abandoned them to the hand of their enemies so that they ruled over them. And when they cried out to you again, you heard from heaven, and in your compassion, you delivered them time after time. You warned them in order to turn back to your law, but they became arrogant and disobeyed your commands. They sin against your ordinances, of which you said, the person who obeys them will live by them. Stubbornly, they turned their backs on you, became stiff-necked, and refused to listen. For many years, you were patient with them. By your spirit, you warned them through your prophets, yet they paid no attention. So you gave them into the hands of the neighboring peoples. But in your great mercy, you did not put an end to them or abandon them, for you are a gracious and merciful God. Now, therefore, our God, the great God, mighty and awesome, who keeps his covenant of love, do not let all this hardship seem trifling in your eyes. The hardship that has come on us, on our kings and leaders, on our priests and prophets, on our ancestors and all your people, from the days of the king of Assyria until today. In all that has happened to us, you have remained righteous. You have acted faithfully, while we acted wickedly. Our kings, our leaders, our priests, our ancestors do not follow your law. 
They did not pay attention to your commands or the statutes you want them to keep. Even while they were in their kingdom, enjoying your great goodness to them in the spacious and fertile land you gave them, they did not serve you or turn from their evil ways. But see, we are slaves today, slaves in the land you gave our ancestors so they could eat its fruit and the other good things it produces. Because of our sins, its abundant harvest goes to the kings you have placed over us. They rule over our bodies and our cattle as they please. We are in great distress. In view of all of this, we are making a binding agreement, putting it in writing, and our leaders, our Levites, and our priests are affixing their seals to it. Wow, that was a long one, wasn't it? Let's applaud Prem. Thank you so much, Prem. Well done. We always try to have things very brief, right? So um, I heard of this priest who was new to this church, and he had this habit of having a very long sermons, and people used to get bored, really bored by it. And then one, one Sunday morning, he came to church, and he made an announcement that last night I had a dream from Jesus. Jesus came and spoke to me. I'm calling you to a different city. And this church rose up and sang, what a friend we have in Jesus. <laughs> right? So as much as we love the word, we would like to have it brief. But sometimes, you know, it's good to read the word of God to understand. You know, it could be out of the 38 verses, it could be just one word that touches your life. But until you read the whole thing, you don't give God an opportunity to minister to you. Amen. You can't simply live on Psalms and, and Matthew. You have to read from, you know, cover to cover to, get, to give God the opportunity to minister to you, right? Okay, so now let's get into the passage. Um, <clears throat> last week, Frank spoke to us on how people responded to the word, how people were accepted the word of God. They were so eager to listen to the word of God. So, so they sat for six hours just listening to the word of God, just to see what the word of God has to say. And today... We're going to listen to how they responded to the word of God. So hearing the word of God is one thing and responding to the word is a different one. Now, um, one of the first things that they did when they listened to the word, when they heard the word of God is they came to a place of worship. Okay, so they came to a place of worship. So today we're going to talk about five expressions of worship, five ways uh, in which you can worship God. So worship is a term that's often misunderstood these days. You know, people, people think it's about singing sing the songs really loud. You know, it's about clapping really hard. It's about, you know, preaching. It's about going to church. It's not, worship is not a single act. Worship is not just a single act. Worship is about bringing yourself before God and responding to the word of God in response to what you hear from him. So, um, so these people of Israel, they responded to the word in five different ways, which is still relevant today, right? So the first one was joy and celebration. So as we read in, uh, in, the, um, in the last part of chapter 8, we can see how joyfully, you know, how they celebrated when they heard the word of God. Now, if you look at the situation, we can see that when the people decided to celebrate, it wasn't because things have changed. Situations have changed. They're still in the slavery. They're still ruled by the Persian Empire. But when they heard the word of God, they came 
into a place where they understood my God is greater than the problems I face. It is this revelation that gives joy in your heart. We don't celebrate, we don't worship God, we don't sing to God because everything is going really well in your life. A Christian celebrates, a Christian sings out to the Lord. He's joyful, he's happy, not because everything is going smooth in his life. It's because of the revelation that his God is greater than his problem. Amen. Do you believe it? No matter what you're going through today, let me tell you something, church. Your God is greater than your problem. It's so wonderful to hear the testimony this morning. It's just a proof of how your God is bigger than your problem. So when the people of Israel, they understood from the word of God that God has got a greater purpose about their life and he's much, much greater than the persons who is ruling over them, they responded with joy. They responded with celebration. This is what enabled David to face Goliath with a sling. When he went up there, he saw this man calling out, you know, uh, insulting the the God of Israel. Something sprang up in him. He, he, He got into action. He took what he had in his hand. You know, one thing that he knew, I'm not going to win Goliath because of the armor that I'm having. It's not because of my experience. It's because of who stands with me. Church, God is telling you today. That no matter what you're going through today, you're not going to win the battle because of your experience. It's, you're not going to win the battle because of what you know. You're going to win the battle because you have a God by your side who cannot be uh, uh, defeated. A God cannot be defeated. Amen. And when you stand in God's word and when you're on a mission that God has started, it's God's mission and he cannot be defeated. And that's what gave victory to David. Amen. Now, when you have this revelation of God, your perspective, it completely changes. So I was thinking about Paul and Silas who were locked up in the dungeon for preaching the gospel. So there is no hope. Once you go into the Roman dungeon, that's it. You don't know what's going to happen to your life. They might kill you. They might torture you. You might never see the light again. He's, they are deep inside the dungeon. And in the middle of the night, these guys, they start to worship. They start to sing praises. Amen. How many of you have gone through this uh, circumstance in your life where you know there is, you're in the situation where I can't see light. I don't know what's going to happen. But you know what? I'm going to worship God. And God came through. Do I have any testimonies here in this room? Give God a shout of praise. Amen. I am one of them. There's been situations where in my life, where there was no hope, I cried out to the Lord and he rescued me. I didn't come come out of it because of my skills or experience, because God, amen. So Paul and Silas were locked up in this dungeon, there's no hope, and there is this, uh, this, this person, the supervisor who's taking care of the prison, and he feels he is in control of the destiny of Paul and Silas, Right? So he thinks he is in control. He is sealed. He is in control of the destiny of Paul and Silas. And these men, they decide to start worshiping God and they sing praises to God. And in the middle of the night, God just comes through. And the prison doors, they're opened. Their chains fall off. 
And what I found really funny was this man who thought he had the key to the destiny of Paul and Silas. He rushes in to Paul and Silas asking for light. I thought you had control of the light. I thought you are the one who is in control. But do you see a shift? When they decided to trust in God, the people who controlled them, the people who were overpowering them, who were, who were trying to control the destiny, they were made inferior to the man who prayed. Amen. My friends, let me just remind you again. When you cry out to God from the darkest of the places, He's not a God who would just walk away. He's the one who would come. Who would come for you. We don't serve a dead God. We don't serve a God who just sits there and gives us commands. We serve a God who likes to walk with us. We serve a God who carries us in, in his arms. That's the God we serve. So God came through for them. That's why um, David, David prays. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. It's not because the darkest of the valley is not scary. It is. But I have God with me. Amen. Praise the Lord. God is with you, church. How many of you believe it? Now, the next thing I want to bring to your attention is the importance of fellowship. Fellowship and gathering. Now, this is the second thing that they did. They gathered together. The people of Israel, rather, uh, instead of just celebrating in their own homes, they came together. They, they came together to celebrate the goodness of God. They came together to, to give praise to God. Now, I've, I've heard these people, some of these people saying, you know, I'm a Christian, but I don't think I need a church. I can just read the Bible and just lead a Christian life of my own. Unfortunately, that's not the case. Praise God. God has saved you to belong to Him. And, and there is a structure in, that God has put in place to nurture you, to help you grow, to make you fulfill the plans and purposes that He has got about your life. So the people of Israel, they came together to celebrate and um, sing the goodness of God. So in today's context, gathering is all about church. We are here. See, when one of us are in trouble, we pray for each other. We support each other. We, we mentor each other. We support each other. We train each other. This is all from the central structure that God has put in place. Now, church is not just a social club. It's not just a place that you come on a Friday morning, just sing a few worship songs, listen to preach and go home. It's a, it's a gathering of disciples. Jesus spent a lot of time spending with his disciples. We all are disciples in here. Now, I want to I say something very interesting. There's a difference between a disciple and a fan, right? When, when we are a fan, when we are a fan of a certain artist, we try to go for his shows and, you know, we, we, we pay a huge amount of money to get the ticket and all of that. But there is this, this talent of his that I really admire. And that doesn't mean that, you know, I approve of every area of his life. I endorse every area of his life. I don't. I don't follow him everywhere he goes. I don't, um, I don't take his principles on my life. It's just this particular thing, his talent that I like. I like to enjoy, it entertains me. But when it comes to discipleship, it's not about 
just enjoying the talent of the preacher or just enjoying the good things that the church has to give. It's a journey. It's a journey with a master who has called you into a mission. So Jesus spent a lot of time discipling them, um, the 12 apostles, because that was, that was really important. That was very fundamental to the, uh, to the church. There is this term that I often hear, mostly in India. Church is a group of believers. Church, is, again, is not just a group of believers. Because if church was just a group of believers, as James put it in chapter 2.9, uh, 2, Satan would, should be the first person in the row because he believes in God and he trembles at his voice. So it's, just, it's not just a group of believers. So there is a big difference between believers and disciples. Because in today's world, we get into this consumeristic view of we just want things for ourselves. We do things because we want to get something out of it. We don't put ourselves at the altar and ask other people to use us. We don't like that. We don't like being used by someone else. We don't like being used by other systems. But when it comes to Christ, you haven't selected Christ. Christ has selected you. So when you come back to that place of worship, that's the time when you, when you tell him, God, I know that you chose me and you have a purpose about my life. And here I am to understand, to do what you want me to do. That's when God starts using you. Praise God. Now, church is also a body. Church is not an organization. These days, what people have done is, they've taken a church into a different level where church has become an organization. They have all different kinds of politics going on. They have election. They have this and that. But church is not an organization. It's an organism. It's a living organism. It's a body of Christ of which Christ is the head. Until we come back to that understanding of what church is and see church as the body of Christ, we won't be able to understand the meaning of church and why we belong to it and, 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 and how you contribute to it. Now, each one of us have a very unique part to play. We have a very unique part to play. You have been chosen by God to belong to the body of Christ for a unique purpose. Now, I just want to bring three scenarios into your mind. So, imagine you have a hand and it doesn't obey the instructions of the brain. The morning you wake up to have a cup of tea and your hand just re refuses. Now, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to do what I want to do. You wouldn't say you have a healthy body, would you? You have a healthy body when all, your, uh, all the parts in your body are in perfect ha harmony and it listens, obeys the instructions of the brain. So the second scenario I want to bring to your mind is, think about a hand that's, not, that, that, that's left the body, that's not part of the body anymore, that just lies there. Although it has got all the features of a hand, there is no life in it. It's not, use, it's not useful. It cannot do anything because it's not connected to the brain. It's not connected to the head. These are the people who think that they don't need a church. You are connected to the body of Christ, which gives you meaning and purpose. When you, when, when you look at my hand, this is Lijo's hand. When this hand is connected to my body, this hand has an identity. And this hand has a purpose. Until and unless you belong to the body of Christ. One, you don't have identity. Two, you don't have purpose.
And you cannot lead a Christian life without belonging to the body of Christ. Are you getting me? Give, a, give God a shout of praise. Yeah. Amen. So um, the third scenario I want to bring to your mind is, just imagine a hand that, that is there, but is paralyzed. I'm, I'm not going there, you got it. <laughs> we don't want to be in any of these scenarios. We want to be used by God. We want to be used by God. If God has called you to be an eye, and if you decide not to contribute, the body becomes blind. And if you're here and you decide not to contribute because you can't see, then the body is deaf. You have a unique purpose. You have been called for a unique purpose by God. Until you come back to God, until you read the word of God, you won't be able to understand why he has called you. And until you spend time in God's presence, you won't be able to understand what you're called for. And then you have to take this decision. God, I know you have called me. I have not chosen you. You have chosen me. And I'm willing. God is not looking for a 20-year-old with a 40 years of experience like the world does. He's, looking, he's not looking for experience. He's not looking for skills. He's looking for people who are willing. He's looking for people who are obedient. He picked David. He had several others, other brothers who were serving in the military. He picked Moses when he thought he was good for nothing. There was a time in Moses' life when he thought, you know, I'm, I'm in the royal palace, I'm skilled, I can do a lot of things. But later on, we see him in the wilderness, 40 years later, when, when he says, I can't do anything. I don't have strength, I don't have the right skills. And God says, that's exactly what I need. God is looking for people who are obedient. My brothers and sisters, let me really encourage you. The moment you go back to God and tell him, God, I know that I'm not the most skilled person, but I'm willing to obey. He's going to turn your life around. He's going to use you in ways that you never thought. Praise God. God is going to use you. And you have a unique purpose. You have a unique part to play. Let me get you to the next point. So they celebrated, they gathered together, and the next thing they did is they fasted. So my friends, sometimes they come up to me and say, what, year of the, uh, what day of the year do you fast? I mean, we have a specific day for fasting, but when do you fast? And one day I'm fasting, the next day I'm not. One day I'm fasting half day, one day I'm fasting the second half. People don't understand that. What's going on? It's not about the time. It's not about the food. It's not about any, any, anything material. It's about you and God. When you come into God's presence, when you are touched by God's word, you feel in your spirit that I need to respond. There is things in my heart where I want God to give access to so that he can minister to me. When Jesus, was, when Jesus stepped into ministry, one of the first things that he did was, was he went through a period of fasting. If Jesus needed that, how much more do we need it? Jesus was the son of God. Even then, he went to the wilderness to fast and pray. Church, we cannot operate. We cannot lead a Christian life without spending time in God's presence. Without fasting. So, fasting is a time when you 
Isolate yourself from the things that keeps you busy. When you take yourself to a place where God can minister to you. Get out of the distractions. Find that place where you can spend time in God's presence so God can minister to you. And he's going to point out things in your life that needs to be changed. And he's going to point out the purpose in your life. He's going to point out why he has called you. That brings me to, the, to my next point. When they spent time in fasting, one of the things they did was they went into a... Uh, they this, did this act of separation. They separated all the foreign things from among them. Now, this is tough. This is tough. We can lead a Christian life and still hold on to everything else in the world. When the world looks at you, there is no difference between you and a worldly person. But the only difference is, I go to church on a Friday morning or a Sunday morning. But one of the key things that needs to be done is separation. This is something that the scripture emphasizes over and over again. Separation. So the Israelites separated all the foreign things from them. So everything that doesn't sit right with the presence of God. When you know that your body is the temple of God. And you have things in your life that doesn't sit right with the word of God. With God's presence in your life. I'm sorry, but God cannot co-dwell with sin. But when you go through a time of fasting, God is going to reveal to you that there are things in your life that need to be um, acknowledged. There are things that need to be taken out. There are things that you need to separate from yourself. Maybe one of the reasons why uh, your deliverance is still waiting at the door is because God is just waiting for you to separate that very thing He has been asking you for, for a long time. But unless you come to a place of worship and surrender... You're not going to discover it. Amen. So I keep telling my Christian friends, there are two kinds of preachers that's available in the market. One is the fast food preachers. And the second is the gourmet meals. So the fast food is something that would give you instant encouragement. God is going to bless you today. God is going to increase your bank balance. He's going to do this. He's going to do that. A person who is really weak in his faith gets really pumped up. And then you have this other set of preachers who speaks the truth, who speaks the word of God, who, 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 who talks about salvation, who talks about repentance, who talks about the core of the gospel. And it's very boring. Now, I'm not saying that one is good and one is bad. We need both. When you're really tired and when you're in a place where you, know, you can't get your faith up and running, you can't go and listen to one of those preachers who's talking about salvation and repentance. You need a fast food. You can't wait for a gourmet meal. You can't wait for two hours to get it prepared. You need instant activation. That's why God has put them in place. But you can't leave on them. You have to go back to the real world. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Amen. So it's about balancing. It's about balancing. But when you listen to the word of God, when you listen to the core, I mean, when people of Israel listen to the, listen to the word for six hours, I don't think they've been having a fast food meal. They were having a gourmet meal. And that's what led them to repentance. If the word that you're listening to, if the word that you're reading is not leading you to repentance, it's not leading you to separation, there's something wrong. 
there's something wrong. Let me move on to the next point, which is repentance. So repentance is an act of separation. So you know God has shown you that these are the things that you need to take away from your life. And repentance is the act of removing it. So you acknowledge to God, God, this are, I know that these are the things that in my life that I need to come out of. You acknowledge and you come into God's presence saying, God, I need deliverance. I need deliverance from this. Because many a times you cannot pull yourself out of it. You need God's help. But you know what, friends? God is a merciful God. Amen. He doesn't judge you and just cast you out for something that's happened in your life. He can forgive you. The, the word of God says, even if your sin is, is, is like a scarlet, as red as scarlet, he can make it as white as snow. Our God is merciful. Our God has this kindness. And, and he walked on the planet of this earth, uh, on the face of this earth for 33 years. He lived like a man. So we are not serving a God who cannot empathize with us. He, ser- he lived on the face of this earth as a human being. He didn't live here as God. He lived here as a human being and went through every suffering that we, 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 we go through. Everything. Everything. So he knows exactly what you're talking about when you bring a situation in front of him. God, I want to come out of this, but I need help. He's not going to judge you. He's going to deliver you from that. But it is your responsibility to acknowledge that God, I need you. And this very thing is keeping me from it. I come back to your presence, God. I cannot live a life without you. I want to live a life of purpose. I know that you have, been, you have called me to the body of Christ to be a hand or to be a leg. And I know that I haven't done that. For some reason, I've been walking away. Friends, we are put in a church. I'm, I'm, so, I'm so happy. I'm, I'm, I'm so privileged to be part of City Hill. That, that's not just a Friday church. We are reaching out to the nations. Even as we speak now, many of your, many of your friends are in the Philippines. We have got amazing ministries going on. We are reaching out to the Europe. We are reaching out to China. We have got a fantastic ladies ministry, kids ministry, youth ministry, young professionals. A lot of things. We are not just a Friday church. God is doing great things amongst us. And he is calling out to you today. Rise up. And there is some unique things that you have to do. There is this unique anointing that you carry. And if there is anything that is within you that, that's keeping you from it, it's time for repentance. Amen. Let me just call the band forward. I, I, really, I would really like to encourage you guys to respond today. Because no matter what is holding you back, no matter what's holding you back, God can rescue you. He can deliver you. Even, even if it's a sin, even if it's a weakness in you, God can deliver you from that. And if you haven't received Jesus Christ as your personal savior, brothers and sisters, today is the day. You have been on the receiving end and God has been giving you all the blessings, but today he's reaching out to you. He's calling out to you to belong to him. You've been on the receiving end, but God is calling you out. 
If you're hearing me this morning, my friends, God is calling out to you today. Why don't you just respond? Let's just rise on our feet. Let's, let's just respond to the word that we received. If you haven't received Christ as your personal savior, we've got to have leaders at the front. Just come forward for prayer. God is calling you to belong to him. If you know that you haven't been able to contribute to the body of Christ and you have, you, you have been having difficulty in understanding your calling, come forward, let's pray for you. And if you want to take a step of faith, God, I know that this is one thing you want me to do and I'm responding in faith. But I need the strength. I don't know where to start. God is calling you today. God is calling you today. Why don't you respond to the word? It's not tomorrow. It's today is God is going to minister to you. How many of you believe it? Give, give God a shout of praise. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. Visit www.cityhillglobal.com to find out more about City Hill Church.